0: Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, I'm glad you decided to join us today. Uh, We
1: have, uh, I had a couple of guests lined up for today, But we had to change that in light of everything that's going on so that you know what we're doing at the Union Gospel Mission. And I don't want to buy into, you know, just that's all we're going to talk about ever is this uh, COVID-19 virus. But you do need to know what we're doing at the mission. You know, at the mission, we for many years have uh, practiced extreme sanitation. In other words, everything that we do, every surface that we do, we have cleaned and sanitized and taken care of. Even with our guests from the street, we would, uh, you know, wash the clothing, have them take showers, put on pajamas, and uh, the reason for that is because we've always had to deal with flus and tuberculosis and all the different things that come along off the street and in society in general. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> we have had to take some more extreme measures now and and granted we are still practicing exactly those same sanitation things the only problem we're running into is that we're having a hard time getting hand sanitizer and some of the things we need to keep everything going and that's because the majority of people panicked and started to overreact now i'm not suggesting that this COVID virus is not an extremely dangerous thing I don't know how it's all going to flush out and what it's going to look like by the time that it peaks and it's over. But what I do know is that there is never a time for us to panic. There's never a time when panicking helps anybody. So I went to the grocery store several times the other day and my intention was anytime I'm someplace to pick up a bottle of hand sanitizer so I can bring it back to the mission. And I've asked the staff to do the same thing. If you happen to be in and they have the supplies, go ahead and buy that so that we who need it at the mission will have what we need. You know, when a person buys 10, 20, 30, or 40 of these things and puts them in their closet, what they essentially do is they keep those products away from all the people who need it until the the, uh, manufacturers can stock back up. Whereas if we all used common sense and bought the toilet paper we need, bought the hand sanitizer we need, bought the bleach that we need, as we need it, rather than trying to hoard it for ourselves. That kind of mentality is not what builds a country like ours. What built a country like ours is those that sacrificed, those that came together, those that worked for the common good of each person in a cooperative effort. And it is not different within, and right now I'll address those of you out there that are Christians. That is not the godly way for us to act. The godly way for us to act is not just looking out for ourselves, but looking out for all those people that are around us. And so as this crisis worsens or deepens or whatever it's going to do, this is an opportunity, believer, to act like the godly people that we are to pray for those that are sick to help those that are in need to share with those that don't have what we have and so again this is not the time for hoarding when you do those things and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have the products you need but let's face it you don't need your garage filled with toilet paper so that you can use uh, it for a hundred years So here's the other thing that I would like to ask of the listening people that are out there in the audience today. If you have some extra toilet paper or you have extra bleach or you have extra hand sanitizer that you've come to realize you're really not going to need, then I would ask that you would come to the Union Gospel Mission and maybe donate those things to us so that we can try to help our people come through this. Uh, The other thing that we need to understand is there's a lot of misinformation about what the mission is or isn't doing out there. So let me just clarify. And then I have a very special guest who is with me, who has worked with me for the last eight years and uh, nine years I've just been informed. uh, But but often she has to inform me of what exactly is going on. And she is the uh, she's so many got so many hats (laughs) She's the development director, but she does a lot of other things, and she still tries to keep my schedule right, So, and I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I wanted us to, to know going in, that no, we haven't uh, closed down the dorms upstairs. However, what we have had to do is we have about 24 men, and then we have a couple of graduates that still live with us, and so we've had to take the, the dormitory upstairs, separate the beds a little further, make sure that nobody is in a bunk bed because, you know, when we talk about having X amount of beds, we're actually talking about, you know, the upper and the lower. And with the viruses going around, we really can't team them up like that. So they need to have their own, uh, their own bed. So we're only going to be capable of having maybe 30 people upstairs for the time being. Having said that, we have been asked not to have the assemblies of over, you know, a hundred or ten or whatever the late uh, ten, I guess was the latest number. So we're not able to have our chapel service. But being cognizant that the people that are out there around the mission rely on us for food, we're not suspending uh, supplying food for them. What we're doing is we're just changing a little bit. We're bringing them in. 10 at a time and we're giving their dinner to them in in paper bags like you would have a sack lunch and so that way they still have the food we're sending people out on the street with extra trash cans so that afterwards uh, they can throw them in there and for those that don't we'll send up a cleanup crew in the morning to take care of those things. Uh, Again we need masks and we need all those type of things then in addition to that the food boxes for working poor families. And that'll probably have to expand somewhat because with more people not being able to work, there's going to be a greater impact on their ability to get food. And so as long as we're still continuing to get donations of food uh, and and uh, monetary donations and all those things, we're going to continue as we always have to try to help the people that are are have a house, have a have an apartment of some kind or a trailer that has a family uh, that is over 65 or, or a woman with children or a family with children to be able to receive what they need. People have asked about the Easter food boxes. And right now we have no intention of not giving out the 100 food boxes that we do every year. Again, it will be different. We can't bring everybody in for a service. So we'll bring them into our gates 10 at a time, supply them with everything that they need for an Easter dinner, and then we will send them back out and take 10 more. And as always, we're shooting for at least 100 food boxes that we'll be giving to to, uh, folks that are in need. So there's a lot of other things that we're needing, a lot of other things we're doing, but I wanted to bring Eileen Trussell into this equation so she can talk to you a little bit because you don't need to listen to me for a half hour. But the reality is, folks, we're still going to need donations. I don't know what the impact financially is going to be on the mission, but this one thing that I do know, that the God we serve has always been in control, and the God we serve will always be in control. And this is certainly not the time. Matter of fact, if you remember, Mordecai said to Esther that, She had been brought there perhaps for a time just such as this. And so this is the time that the church can shine to be uh, the hands and the feet of the living God and to show that they care. Our 24 men were probably concerned in the beginning that we might be asking them to go, and we're not. They are living with us. They are family up there, and we are going to see this through with them. So Eileen Trussell, how are you doing on this fine day?
2: Outstanding. Thank
1: you. All right. So what's going on from your perspective?
2: I thank God each and every day that he saved my soul. Amen.
1: (laughs) Amen. I'm with you.
2: Really, that is everything. Uh, It's my forever eternal life that we get to have and our hope that comes from that. And so I... I'm really taking uh every day looking at this in a biblical perspective, you know, knowing God knows what's going on, he's allowed it to happen, and he doesn't let anything go by with without his his will and uh and he always has a purpose, and I see a lot of good things going on, like prayers, I'm praying with a lot more people every day now. And isn't that wonderful?
1: Oh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, as a matter of fact, this could also be, if we look at it, a, a wake-up call for another pandemic that might beseech our world and be even worse than what we're going through right now, to be prepared for those type of things, right? Is, the, is there a difference in your mind between preparedness and panic? Absolutely, yes.
2: Uh, well there's so much it, the one thing I've been listening to a lot of messages and uh, again reading the word uh you you know if you do a, a search on fear and anxiety and worry uh it, when we have that it's because we're putting that above God it and is. panic mm-hmm. would be above God so you know uh, there's a a wholesome fear that we can have that's Protective of, uh, you know, just like if uh, we feel like we're going to get robbed, doing things to prevent that from happening, right? Yeah, so responsible. we're doing all the responsible behaviors that we're told to do so that we don't get sick or mm-hmm. cause the illness, you know, to spread. Uh, but again, I don't have to have any fear because I have the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that that's the key as to what you're saying is there is certainly a difference between fear, uh, or not fear, about concern and panic. Mm-hmm. And we are called as people to be faithful and to have faith and to be anxious over nothing, right? That's what Amen. the Bible tells us to do. However, being anxious over nothing doesn't mean to be brain dead or act as if, you know, you're if you're about to be thrown to the lions, you certainly have cause to be concerned. But even our brothers and sisters thrown to the lions and all the things that happened to them in those early days of the church and around the world, maybe even today, that there still was faith that they exercised knowing that their God would ultimately deliver them if not on this side of the veil, on the other side of the veil, right? Absolutely. And by the way, the Bible tells us who can add who can add just one little, let's even take it down. Can you add even a centimeter, an inch to your, your height or a year to your life or a day to your life by worrying? Nope. No. And so you don't take a cavalier attitude. You don't go, well, you know, I don't care. You know, I'll just go out and do whatever I'm going to do. And if I die, I die. If you put that in context, saying that I will do everything that I can do, I will glorify and honor God in everything that I do, I will take the precautions I need, and then if the Lord calls me home, then I understand. That is the difference. The difference isn't a cavalier attitude of, or say la guerre, I'll do whatever. I, no, it's faith, but practiced with with, uh, you know, understanding wisdom and discretion, right?
2: And I just love the way uh, you're handling uh, the mission. First of all, please pray for Pastor Tim (laughs) Lane, our director, uh, because he's got a lot on his shoulders on making these decisions to keep the mission running because we are at the forefront of working with the homeless. and, uh, uh, And he is constantly concerned about, the homeless, about the men in the recovery program that live with us, we have um, pretty much a full house of twenty-four men. Yep, and they're in the program for nine months, and we've been using those men to, while they're there, they're getting counsel, classroom time. Uh, there's a workbook they go through, a curriculum but they also have certain jobs throughout the day. And part of that is to help our homeless guests. And that's where these men are concerned. Well, what kind of risk are they at? And pastor Tim has to make these extreme decisions on protecting them. So they're not at risk. And that's why we can't have as many homeless shelter beds as open as we have in the past. Uh, So the, 84 beds that we um, have had men sleep in every night is now down to the men in the recovery program. But we he and had to make that decision too. and some of our graduates, so about 30. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, again, just to comply with government requirements, uh, the, the distancing um, that we need to do for the protection of not just us, but... So again, so that this COVID 19 doesn't spread. But that, that was just a really tough decision to make. It was. And there, you know, he also concern <laughs> is concerned about the staff. Yep. You know, there are staff at the mission that are over 60, hmm. over 70, <laughs> uh, or have compromised immune systems, or there are loved ones at home. And some, <clears throat> Don't uh, are not working in the office for that right. reason, and so. But we are doing whatever we can to keep this mission running um, for the sake of Christ, for His glory, <clears throat> to help others whoever we can in need.
1: Right. No, I, <clears throat> that's well put, <clears throat> and um, I appreciate what you said. It. These are not easy decisions to make. I mean, I'm over sixty-five. You know. Uh, and so I look at the people around me, and I, I I am concerned. We still also have the showers for the men from the street to come in and still shower because we can bring them in at five at a time. I appreciate what you said simply from the fact that I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I don't make any of these decisions lightly. I don't do it and make the decision and, and oh okay well whatever it's never like that i see the people outside i've talked to some of them outside and and i'm always concerned i'm concerned about the mission itself but again concern doesn't relate to panic or to fear it's not the same thing Uh, i think if nothing else we should understand that that we do not hold tomorrow in our hands and we can save up all the money we want we can take all the precautions we want, and in a heartbeat, things can change. Can they not?
2: Uh, they are. <laughs> it's very fluent right now. Right. From day to day, we don't know what else is going on.
1: No. And I'm concerned not only about the people out on the street and the people in the mission and our donors and the people of Sacramento and the United States, but listen, I'm, I'm seeing all kinds of families who... Are living paycheck to paycheck, who right now don't have work to go to. I'm seeing an economy that's in crisis right now. Mm-hmm. Again, not a time to panic, but it is a time that you need to look at your neighbor and say, "Okay, well, my neighbor is suffering in some way. What can I do to help my neighbor?" Right. Yeah. Uh, because you know, I I was saying to the, some of the staff that one of our founding fathers of the country said, uh, "Gentlemen, we must." hang together or we shall surely hang separately. And that is true in any crisis, that if we pull together, you know, the United States has a long track record of being able to come together during crisis and be a people united. Yes. And we need to do that too. The church needs to to keep in prayer. One of the sweet, wonderful moments was after meeting over the phone and conference calls with the county and some of the health agencies, some of the other shelters, was that there were five of us in the room and we, we decided that we would pray right then. And you know what? I felt the the uniting of brothers and sisters in Christ as we prayed before our holy and sovereign Lord and we placed before him our needs and and. and and just praying for people outside of the mission, inside of the mission. And I thought to myself, during times of crisis, this is what God's people have done. They prayed before they were burned at the stake, and they prayed when the Black Plague hit Europe. They prayed uh, for each other and for the lost world, and now there we are just like our brothers and sisters for the last 2,000 years in prayer before the same God that was with them and said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And we believe that.
2: And that's just a few of his promises. Just a fraction. Another promise is he is our provider. Amen. And how I got to the mission was uh, the market crashed, yeah, and, that's right. Uh, our business had to shut down, and uh, we lost a lot of uh, finances and houses, and, and I needed to get a, a, a job. And um, so I've been through already our, my own personal economy crash, so to yeah, say. Yeah, I
1: know you have.
2: And I know a lot of people out there have as well, and, but yet does he not provide and so I am uh, a firm believer that he does. And, and we might not necessarily get always what we want. Uh, that's a certainty. No. Uh, but he, you know what? It's an adjustment for all of us as well. You know that, you know, there are certain things that we're not doing again because of, uh, you know, the effects that we can't do necessarily. Yeah. But there's always things we can do under his directive, his wisdom, and his holiness.
1: And prioritizing, right? Yes. And by prioritizing, you remember there was a man named Paul (laughs) who was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ who wrote two-thirds possibly of the New Testament. Yes, it was God that wrote it, but he used Paul's hand to do it. Paul is in his apartment Which was in lockdown. You should, you could say, he was in jail. He was waiting there and would be martyred for the church. And what is he doing? Is he wringing his hands and saying, "Lord, I don't understand. I serve you." I'm sure he prayed about those things too. But from his jail cell, he is sending out letters, advising people in the church. What can we do? He's concerned primarily about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to prioritize in our lives too, right?
2: Yes, and and to reiterate, we are continuing to give out food, Mm -hmm. food boxes to families and seniors. Uh, Please spread the word that, um, and we're so grateful for the stores that are uh, continuing to provide us that food so that we're able to do it. Yes. So we have a lot to be thankful for. I,
1: have a, I, have, I am more than grateful to our donors. And I know we are praying for you too. And not just because you're our donors, because if you're no longer our donor, we're still praying for you. Yes. Our, we will continue to need all the things we've always need because we're not shutting the mission down. Um, and a Lord prayer, willing. No, y- yes. And that is up to the Lord. Uh, we will comply with what the government says right up until the point that they they would cross the line and and tell us to do something God has told us not to do. But in any other regard, we are well aware from Romans that we need to follow the leaders that are in control as long as they don't violate the biblical mandates. And so we will and we're praying for them. Well we're, we're kinda out of time, but I would like you to stay with us and do one more show and so if you can tune back in next week we would like to continue a little bit of this and and some good news that there there truly is out there today so we are praying for each of you out there too and i know there's a lot of tears and a lot of fear and all those things but we serve an awesome god so as always until we meet again may god hold you in the palm of his hand